Well, if, if you have your Bibles, um, you can turn to Proverbs 3 and put a finger there, and then you can put a finger in Acts 16, where we'll be in just a little bit. We're going to be in, in these two texts. appreciate Dave preaching the last two weeks so much. We're continuing with this series in Proverbs of talking about how can we have a breakthrough? How can we seek God's wisdom? We, we don't seek culturally God's wisdom. We don't hear that word wisdom very much, and we want to seek God's wisdom in our lives so he can help us break through where we get stuck ourselves, often self-inflicted, being stuck in something, and God's wisdom can help us break through, and at the very core and most important level, it helps us break through our sin and our, our reliance upon ourself or what we think and helps us see what God's wisdom has to say to us and how it can change our lives. And so we want to talk about that tonight. As you're kind of uh, uh, turning your Bibles there, it's been four or five years, I think, since I've told this story. And it's probably time again for me to tell you the story of the worst date I ever went on in my life. Want to hear it? All right. So here it is. Um, I was a junior in high school, and I had a friend, I'll call him Brad, to protect his guilt. Um, <laughs> Brad was really a good friend of mine, and he was a great guy. He was as goofy as you can possibly imagine. One time he dressed up like Pee Wee Herman and came to school for no reason at all. And, um, but the pants were too tight and they ripped out at lunch when he sat down. So that's, like, that's just like a, that's like a day in the life of Brad, really normal uh, for him. And so, uh, uh, but Brad was, was my friend and uh, I would hang out with him as long as I could until I felt like, okay, that's a little too ridiculous. And I kind of pulled back just a little bit. But... Um, he called me on a Friday, a Friday in which I was going to hang out with one of my best buddies, Scott. We were going to play some basketball and just kind of hang out that evening. Brad calls and said, hey, Brian, I'm kind of in a pickle here. I'm like, what's up? He said, well, I was going to take my girlfriend out on a date. And she thinks that I'm taking her out on a date. She's planning on it being a date. But I got in a little trouble at home, and my parents told me I can't go out unless it's a double date. So do you think you can get a date and go with me? And I had done that before with a couple of other friends, a um, couple of uh, friends that were girls that were nice enough to do something like that for Brad and uh, that we would enjoy hanging out. But I was already hanging out with Scott. So I was like, man, I hang out with Scott. And he was like, please, please, please. Like, my girlfriend's going to kill me if I can't go out. And I, and I talked to Scott. I was like, okay, we'll like ride with you to the restaurant where you're going to eat. And then we'll peel off and go shoot baskets. And is that all right? He's like, yeah, that, that'll be fine. My parents will be cool with that. Okay. So he shows up to our house without his girlfriend yet. We're, he's going to pick her up later. He's driving his parents' minivan. That's what he drove for dates. Uh, that's the only car he had. And, uh, and Scott and I are there, and we get in the van with him. And, he, and, and we're like, so is your girlfriend pretty upset about this? And he's like, oh, I haven't told her yet. And we're like, I was like, dude. Now she's going to be mad at us and you. This is going to be like the worst ride of our lives. And he's like, well, if you wanted to, you could just like get in the third row and kind of duck down and she won't even know you're here. <laughs> and that way, my parents, I can honestly say you were with us in the van, but she won't even know. And foolishly, we were like, yeah, we'll go along with that. So we sat in the third row of the minivan and when he pulled up to his girlfriend's house, we just kind of like ducked down like this and got behind the seat. She gets in the van and uh, he takes off. And after about a minute, she's like, why are Brian and Scott in the back seat? 
She's like, I saw him in the mirror. And so we like sit up and it's just awkward silence the rest of the trip. <laughs> we get to the restaurant and Scott and I are like, dude, we're out. Uh, good luck the rest of the night. We're shooting baskets and trying to recover from this. The worst date of my life. So, But sometimes like you have a plan and you're like, yeah, I think this is going to work. And then you clearly realize at some level, this isn't working. But like you're really stubborn, right? And so we stay with those really dumb plans sometimes. And sometimes we feel like we're even stuck, like there's no good way out. I can fall off a cliff here. I can fall off a cliff here. And the story I'm telling you is just funny. But you're probably already thinking about some plans that you've made that maybe weren't so funny because you felt stuck in them. And you could not get out of them. And it was going to damage a relationship or a friendship, or maybe even where you work. And you just felt stuck in this plan that you could not get out of. And maybe it was a plan that you made. It was like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my life goal. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And you get in the plan, and things start to unravel, but you just kind of stick with it no matter what, and you're not sure what to do. And so this morning, we want to look at Scripture and say, what happens when we make a plan and we just feel stuck in it? How can we have a breakthrough to some of our own foolish plans? And the Bible has a proverb that I want to read and then a story that really reinforces it and shows us it's a really surprising story. So I want to start in Proverbs 3, just kind of picking up right after the verses where we've been the last couple of weeks because we've been in this verse, you know, the verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a great passage to memorize. We get down to verse 7 and, and the first line is the key one. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Hmm. Some of us think we're pretty smart, don't we? <laughs> right? That's why we make some pretty dumb plans sometimes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And look what the opposite is. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Hmm. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Throughout the pages of the Bible, we learn that wisdom comes from God, and we need to look to him instead of always assuming that we will be right. We have a, a, a culture that our world tends to say, like, trust your heart, go with your heart, you, you do your thing and just be your heart and follow your heart. And, and I'm thinking, like, man, if that worked out, we'd all be fine. That's what we all naturally do anyway. But if, if people could fix themselves and make their lives better, relying on trusting themselves, we'd already all be better. And so God comes and says, don't, don't be so smart in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord. Look to my wisdom, which is eternal and always truthful. And so the book of Acts, um, in Acts chapter 16 uh, we have this incredible story of where the Spirit of God comes in this kind of dramatic way, kind of this surprising way. Uh, but just put yourself into the story. If you're, the, you're Paul, the key, you know, kind of the human being at work in Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit moving through him, and he has this missionary journey all planned. He's got it all planned out. But then look what happens, because this is kind of surprising. Verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. 
So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you catch that? Paul had a plan, and he was like, okay, we got this map, guys. Here's what we're going to do to take the gospel. And so they get out their map, and they look, okay, we're going to go here, and we're going to go here, and we're going to go here. And twice in these few paragraphs, we read that God, the Holy Spirit, somehow told them, no, don't go there. Prevented them from going there. It doesn't say exactly how the Holy Spirit prevented them from going there. I don't think he like tied their shoes together or put a big you know, wall right in front of them that they couldn't get around or they fell in a hole. It, it seems like the Holy Spirit just leaned in into the, whispered into their heart so emphatically that they're like, oh, we can't even go there. Now, what would you do with that? I mean, you've got it all. You're like, God, this is for you, remember? This is all for you. And then God says, no, don't do what you think you think is right. Don't be so wise in your own eyes. I'm throwing you a curveball here. And I, I love that maybe there's more than the, than the text tells us. I'd like to hear more about this story. But what the text tells us is that they're just like, okay, God, we'll go here. We'll go to Macedonia. And as we read more throughout the book of Acts, we see why that was wise and we see how that worked out and how the gospel exploded in different places and eventually, the gospel would come back around to Asia, kind of modern-day Turkey, where they were thinking they were first going to go. And so, uh, can we see how all of that happens. Um, but still, I'm just impressed that the believers there in this great plan would say, okay, we need to bail on our plan and just listen to what God is saying. Because you know if you have a good plan, it is hard to bail on your own plan. And we want to stick with it. We want to defend it. And so there's something about following Jesus that means we hold our own plans loosely. We still make them, but we hold them loosely because they may not always be God's plans. In fact, God may prepare us to do something, and we may do all of this stuff to go there, and then he may say, but now actually you're going to go here. And we're like, well, what? What was, it? what was all of this for? I don't know. Maybe we find out. Maybe we won't. But maybe he wanted to teach us some stuff here and then change us to go here. But here's where we need to be careful. Assuming that we've got it all figured out. Assuming that God doesn't know what he's doing. Assuming that God wasted our time, that he wasted that day or that year or that decade. And we trust God. We trust that he knows what he's doing. It, it uses this, this uh, phrase, the spirit of Jesus prevented them came to them, spoke to them. And elsewhere in the New Testament, we hear the, see the phrase, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of his Son. You see, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus. We get a little picture of the Trinity here, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit comes, and there has been times where the Spirit has spoken so emphatically to me that I absolutely knew what he was saying. When I first joined Black Box International, it was, it was like a slam dunk. I, I knew that I had to be part of that. There's been other decisions in life where it feels like God has said nothing and just said, make your decision, 
And I'd be like, no, but God, tell me what to do. And I just hear silence. There's been other times where God has said, don't do that. I know you have your heart set on it, but don't do that. The reason I'm in Tulsa was that after a week of praying and um, doing a lot of fasting, both with Dave from here at Highland Park and my friend Doug in San Antonio, I was ready to go to San Antonio and, and, and work in ministry in San Antonio. And the day before I was to make that final decision, uh, Doug from San Antonio, who had been begging me to come for two years, called me and said, Brian, I don't think you should come here anymore. Sometimes God says, no, you're not going to do that. And we're like, what was that all about? What were those two years of Doug calling me saying, please come to San Antonio, and me taking trips there and thinking that that was going to be my future? And then we, thankfully, now I've got to see like, oh, that's why. But in the moment, you don't know that. And in this lifetime, we may not always know why that is. So there's two questions I want to kind of put in front of you this morning. And the first question is this. Do you spend more time planning your life or preparing for life? See, I think we're really good at planning stuff. At least some of us are. I don't know, some of you are like, well, I've actually never planned anything. Um, you should have been at my kid's birthday party. It was a mess, you know, we just had kids. Um, but lots of us kind of think through like, here's what I want this to be, here's how I want this to work out, and I want this to go like this. Even if we're not a detailed planned person, we kind of plan, here's, here's how I want things to be. And we can spend a lot of time on that and neglect what is actually more important, and that is preparing our souls, letting God change us and prepare us. A quote we've mentioned several times through this series from Erwin McManus is, work twice or spend twice as much time on your character as you do on your competencies. So you have some skills and some talents you want to develop, great, but spend more time on developing your character, your integrity, your honesty, developing your kindness and your gentleness and your self-control. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit develops within us and gives us a level of those more than we could ever come close to achieving on our own. And so we let the Holy Spirit develop us and change us and prepare us so that no matter how our plans changed, our hearts are already prepared for that. We have a, a strategic plan here at Highland Park that we're following, and we've talked about it some with you, and every once in a while we'll bring it up here and say, here's kind of where we are, we're kind of tracking that. But one of the things that we said even from the beginning was that we want to make the best plan we can, but we also want to hold it loosely enough so that if God changes things, that we don't hang on to something that's not his. He may have wanted us to develop that plan to prepare us. So we've talked about, you know, if the parking situation changes over here, if you don't know anything about that, just know that sometime... You know, the parking situation may change for us in this west parking lot. So that has some implications for how we do things. So we have a plan in place for that. But I think that's what, what's even more uh, important than the plan is the preparation. I'm picking up my notes. that just blew away. Um, and the, the preparation is, do Highland Park people love the Lord? And are they connected in relationships that will encourage them and build one another up and will they be praying for one another regardless of where they have to park or what time they come to a, a, a worship service here or what the, you know, uh, what the schedule is or what classroom or building or house they may be in. That's way more important than the actual plan, right? 
We want to have the plan, but we always want to spend more time on the preparation of our hearts. So that first question, do you spend more time planning your life or preparing for life? The second question, it's really simple, but it's a big one. Is your plan God's plan? Just spending, just thinking through, is, are all these plans that I got, are they all me, or have they really been guided by God? I, I want you to see the story in just a moment of a man named uh, Alifi Patrick. Uh, he had to flee, as many people did, from South Sudan during the Civil War, and um, he ended up in Uganda, and then ended up with even more setbacks but sometimes in the midst of those setbacks, you realize that God is doing something incredible in your life. And the video we have is from our good friends and a mission partner, Good News International. And so you'll kind of hear them referred to. And um, as the video goes, his accent is very thick and it's beautiful. And there's some uh, subtitles below it. But some of those subtitles are hard to read. So I'm going to actually read some of them for you just so you can follow along. But I wanted you to hear his voice and see him. So we'll go ahead and watch the story of Alifi Patrick. The ophthalmologist told me nothing. He did not counsel me. He did not the ophthalmologist told me say anything. Uh, he did not counsel me. He did not give me any word of hope. He just told me you're going he to said you're going to remain blind. I, I hated him. I hated him. I hated him, honestly. I had a brother. I had a brother. A friend and everything. A friend and, and everything. And that was my radio. I would tune, from station I would tune station in from a station. And that was when I also started. And I started listening to One Tribe. That's a good news radio production. But then as I And then I continued listening. Yeah. It gave me that hope. It gave me hope. One Tribe, as, just as I've told you, it's all about hope. It's all about hope. The ophthalmologist told me nothing. He did not counsel me. He did not the ophthalmologist did not anything. counsel me or well, did not say did anything. Not he did not give me any word of hope. He said, you are going to remain blind. I, I hated him. All right. I think we had a glitch there, but I want to tell you a little more. I want to tell you, I've got the rest of his story here. So after being told uh, that he would be blind, and there he is, a refugee, wondering what he would do, he heard this radio station and he, he began to depend on God by listening to the gospel presented from this radio station. And his goal began to change. And as his heart softened and he began to follow Jesus and to know who Jesus was, um, he said, uh, my goals began to, to follow God and to wonder how he could use me. And so now, Patrick said, by God's grace, for the first time, the entire region of his district, um, he became the first blind student to study at the Institute of Higher Learning. And he leads a society for the blind in that district. He is also learning to make disciples of Jesus and participating in one tribe leadership training to give people a roadmap from trauma to peace in communities where hope was once shattered. The radio dramas are empowering more, uh, to more than eight million people in five African nations. Good News Productions International plans to produce a series in more African languages, bringing hope to people in their heart language uh, where transformation takes place. Patrick has a new vision for the future because of good news and your support of good news. He says, 
God allows evil, but he doesn't cause evil. When something wrong happens to you, God can use it to make you better and to change the lives of many people around you. Isn't that leveraging a bad situation for good? Where you go from blind and a refugee and hopeless to having the hope of Jesus and figuring out how can I leverage this to help other people, to help the blind, to help people who don't have the hope in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he's done. So he was not wise in his own eyes. When Jesus was in the garden, hours before his crucifixion, he knew what was coming. And if you remember, while he's weeping and, and, and crying and in anguish in the garden, he has a prayer, a very short prayer. And he's, he's praying out and crying out to God, is there any other way? God, is there any other way than the cross? Is that the only way? Is that it? And then he says these words to God. But not my will, but yours be done. That's when we take, here's what my plan is. Here's what I want it to be. Here's what I think is best. But not my will, but yours be done. Will not be wise in my own eyes, but in yours. That's our prayer. This morning, we want to ask you to take a few moments to just reflect. There'll be some reflection questions on the screen. We just want to ask, ask these questions for a few moments. Am I stuck in my own plans? And how can I prepare myself to hear God's plans? Because we believe that when we, when we ask God and we listen, he speaks to us. And so I want to encourage you to take these moments to ask these questions and to give God permission to speak to you and then just to listen to him.
we hope that you can develop a rhythm in your life where you're just quiet and listen to God. We've been talking about the Breakthrough Challenge here for this, this whole last month, and uh, I want to let you know what that is if, if you don't know, and if maybe you do know, I want to kind of reiterate, uh, we've, been, we've been doing three things in the Breakthrough Challenge and been asking you to do three things with us, and the first is to read a proverb a day. Uh, Proverbs is so full of God's wisdom. It's just wisdom, 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 and it was written thousands of years ago, and it just has application to my life every day. Every proverb, it just seems like, is written for me, and you'll feel the same way when you read them. And so uh, today is June 2nd, and so we would read Proverbs chapter 2. And some of you are thinking, well, like, I did that last month. Great. Do it again. Uh, really, like, that's our encouragement, is we want to we develop this within you. Um, and so we, wanna do, we wanted to give two months to just the main thing that we were thinking about is how can I seek wisdom in my life? And so we want to encourage you to do that. With that said, I want to, add, I want to encourage you, if you've been going through um, reading a proverb a day, to, to think about these two questions. Uh, one question is, which of these proverbs did I really need to hear today? And write, write that down. Because I think that you need to hear one every day, and I need to hear one. But just write down maybe the one verse that you really needed to hear, the one idea you really needed to hear. And then also, I want to encourage you to, to write down... Um, what does this chapter reveal about God? Because Proverbs reveals a lot about God. You read chapter 2, and it will reveal that God cares about justice and fairness, and he knows what's right. So it reveals some about his wisdom. Uh, and so that's a great way to kind of read through is to be thinking about what does this teach me about God and his character. Um, the second part of the Breakthrough Challenge is that we want to ask you to repeatedly Beg the Lord for wisdom throughout your day. Lord, give me wisdom. How can I have wisdom? And then the third part is to invite other people into your life. And I want to just say a word about that because I've talked to a number of you who have said that third part of the Breakthrough Challenge has been the most difficult for me. And I think culturally there's a lot of reasons for that. Our culture isn't always set up to invite people into our lives. But I want to just maybe give a word about hospitality. Hospitality is inviting people into your heart. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to be your home. It could be, and it might be. But I know that the hang-up sometimes is, I don't feel like my home is nice enough, or I, don't, I, don't, I have to spend so much time to get it all ready. And I think that we have to realize there's like a fine line between uh, loving our guest, so I'm going to pick up the, my dirty socks off the couch so they're not sitting on my dirty socks. That's just being considerate of the guest. And going overboard and feeling like my house has to be perfect. Because at that point, I'm less worried about the guest than I am about what the guests think about me. It actually becomes about me. Like, I don't think that any of us want to communicate to our guests, I live a perfect life, so you don't need to have a perfect home. In fact, that keeps us from hospitality, oftentimes that fear of like, I'm afraid they're going to see that we're not perfect. Actually, you want your guest to start feeling like family. And let me tell you something, your family already knows you're not perfect. So it's okay if things aren't perfect. It's great if the people who are there, they bring something to eat with you or they help you with dishes uh, and things aren't always everything in place. They, they, they can see, well, I can see that they love me because they, they prepared this and they invited me over. But it doesn't have to be perfect. Don't let that stop you. And maybe it's still easier for you for whatever reason to meet somewhere else. But just think about what, are, what am I doing? How can I invite people 
to come with us. I know that Memorial Day, that that, that question made a difference in our lives. For our family, we thought, whom can we invite into our lives to have a barbecue? And it just kind of changed. We were already going to do something like that. So it just begins to shift in that question. I want to encourage you to stay after that because we need to keep investing and inviting people into our lives. That's how God does greatest work is in, in relationships. So I want to encourage you uh, with that. Um, this morning, if, if you have a prayer need, if you uh, are thinking, man, I don't know that my plans line up with God or not, and I need to talk to somebody, or maybe you've never really said to Jesus, not my will, but yours be done, and you've never begun following him, you've never been baptized which, you know, the, the death to self and the newness, and you're saying, I, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus and to say yes to him and for his plans to be my plans, then we would love to pray with you and talk with you. And we'll have some folks from our prayer team just right up here on the front row on the right side and on the left side. And you can come up during this, this next song or you can come up just when, when the worship time is over and people are dismissed. You're welcome to come on up there and we'll be glad to meet you up here as well. If you would, would you stand and let me pray for us? God, we, we thank you that in Jesus, your son, you showed us how to live in a way in which we fully followed you and submitted to your will and to your ways, to your plans. And I pray that as a church family, we could do that. And I pray for every individual here that we could just let go of the tight grip that we have on our plans, on our stuff, and instead just release that to you. And for those who have never given their lives to you and submitted to you that first time through baptism, I pray that today may be the very day that they say yes to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.